told our worship team meeting just before the service today, this year has started off amazing for Grace Church. And uh, I do have a miracle testimony I would like to share with you before we turn to the Word of God. I've wanted to share this for uh, several weeks now, and I've not gotten permission, but maybe forgiveness sometimes is better than permission. But anyway, uh, Tanya Coley texted me the week before our Christmas service and said that her father-in-law had been diagnosed with cancer and a very, very serious condition. It was seemed to be well along, as I remember, and uh, they were planning to have surgery on him, and all of those plans were made. They were actually in attendance here on our Christmas service uh, last year, last December. And uh, she asked him, she said, would it be okay if I had my pastor pray for you while y'all are here? And, of course, his posture was, I'll take all the prayer I can get right now, which I think is a very smart thing to decide. So after our Christmas service, after all, during all that hustle and bustle, our building was packed. There was very few empty chairs that Sunday morning. Just grabbed a bottle of oil. As I think Brother Dave took company. We just walked down the side aisle, met them, and um, asked if it was okay if we prayed, and we prayed. She texted me a couple of weeks ago, and uh, literally swinging from the light fixtures in her house. She said she was just having a Holy Ghost time in her house. She had just heard from her in-laws. He had his surgery. And they removed that cancerous part of his body and took it to the lab. And when they analyzed it, there was zero cancer found in it. None. And I'm rejoicing. Oh, the awesome, overwhelming love of God. The power of the Holy Ghost. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank the Lord. So if you're here today with a need, the love of God is here, the mercy of God is here, and there's no reason for you to leave here with that need. You can leave it right here, and you can go home whole. You can go home better. If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's rumbling through the house today. I would to God that four or five people could receive the Holy Ghost here today. It could happen if you'll open up to it. God's here to do it. And as we said a little while ago, he'll put the Holy Ghost in anybody. It don't matter who you are. Thank the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning with verse 15. 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning with verse 15. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof and poured it out unto the Lord and said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning. Very simple message, but one that I'm incredibly passionate about today. I want to preach to you for a little while just simply. There's water in the well. There's water in the well. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. 
Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. Thank you. <clears throat> There's terminology that is used in the Bible when it refers to people who have at one time received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. One is that they are full of the Holy Ghost. This reference is made in the book of Acts. Another representation of people that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the Word of God is said that they are lukewarm. The church of Laodicea was lukewarm. Or in my interpretation means that they are less in their relationship with God than what they used to be. Lukewarm, in this case, means, again, in my opinion, the culture and society around the person has changed them instead of them changing or impacting culture and society around them. It's the lukewarm Christian. Another term the Bible uses to describe a person's spiritual standing is backslidden. It's when a person uh, used to, has received the Holy Ghost and at one time or another served God very passionately, was very close to God, committed to God. But things happen, a job happens, marriage happens, kids happen, things happen in their life. And pretty soon church attendance starts to wane. It usually begins with Wednesday nights and then Occasional Sunday mornings and then more Sunday mornings and pretty soon they're not coming to church at all anymore. Uh, They cease paying their tithing. Uh, Things happen. They get hurt. Uh, They become bitter. And they cease to serve the Lord on any level. I believe that backsliders in some capacity still love God, but they're pulled in so many directions by other things that they choose different priorities. It's a person who was once on fire for God or had an awesome relationship with God, but has turned and walked away from God. I believe Demas is a biblical example where Paul referred to Demas that he once loved the Lord, but he's turned and fallen in love with the world and the things of the world. The last representation of a person in their standing with God that I'll mention here today, and it's become the subject of a lot of confusion for a lot of people, and I'm not going to dwell on it today. It's not the point of my message. But it's when a person is turned over to a reprobate mind. And I believe this is when a person who has had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm not sure you can become a reprobate without having had the Spirit of the Lord first. But the person reaches such a place of rebellion and reproach towards God who hates God and even curses God that God will eventually cut them off to where they no longer can make a comeback or a return to God that would be sufficient in saving them. And I believe there's biblical example of the reprobate mind as well. All of that being said, I believe that it is God's will For everybody on this planet to be full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's God's will. Thank the Lord.
For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I know there's a lot of people that don't believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I prayed yesterday at our men's prayer, especially for our men. Men have a propensity to doubt, and it causes them to be analytical. They want to prove it. They want to put it under a microscope. You're not going to put the infilling of the Holy Ghost under a microscope. You're not going to analyze it too closely. These are things you have to trust God. You have to have faith in God. And then certainly look at the people around you whose lives have been changed dramatically for the better due to the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I believe people, everybody, should be full of the Holy Ghost. Peter said in Acts chapter 2, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I thank God for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said in John chapter 7, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Hallelujah to God. In our scripture setting today, David is now an older man, probably close to my age. Not an old man, but an older man. I don't know how old he was. I'm just being humorous. But he's looking back over his life, and he begins to express his deep affection and deep appreciation for his mighty men, in this case, three mighty men who stood with him when King Saul and all of his troops were seeking David to kill him. These same mighty men later became high-ranking soldiers in David's army. Three of them stand out especially. The first was Shammah, Shammah, whose name means desolate who stood his ground to defend a field of lentils or vegetables. The second was Eleazar. His name means God has helped, who stood his ground against the Philistines when the rest of the army fled. The Bible said he fought so many Philistines for so long that his hand literally froze around the handle of his sword. They had to pry his sword out of his hand. And then there was a dino, or Jashobim. He's referred to as both names. His name means, let the people return. He killed 800 men, 800 men, with a spear in one single battle. Three mighty men, great men, great fighters, loyal, faithful, not only to David, but to the cause and purpose of David's kingdom. One event in particular ties these three three famous soldiers together in David's mind. The time that they literally defied death. They literally defied death to bring to David a drop of water. David, of course, grew up in the little town of Bethlehem. 
So he was very familiar with the town well. His parents got water from that well. His ancestors drew water from that well. And he himself had made a trip to that well many times through his upbringing and growing up in Bethlehem to retrieve a bucket of clear, cold water out of the well of Bethlehem. I want to stop here for a moment and say in passing, I've had the beautiful privilege and honor of being born and raised in the church, raised by awesome parents, have sat under the tutelage, preaching and teaching of amazing pastors who gave themselves passionately, gave their ministry passionately to the cause of the kingdom and the church. Spiritually speaking, I have been taught all of my life where the well is. When I'm thirsty, when I'm sad, when I'm depressed, when I'm lonely, when I'm broken, when I feel lukewarm, when I feel hungry, when I feel desolate and barren, I know where there is a well that I can draw sustenance from, that I can have my thirst quenched, that I can have my needs met and my desires fulfilled. It's the well of the cross. It's the well of Calvary. It's the well, the well of the shed blood of Jesus. It's an altar. It's a prayer room. Whatever you want to call it, I know in my heart today that no matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm at, and as a song they sang earlier today, no matter what I've done, no matter what I've done, no matter what I've done, there's a well, there's a source, there's a spring of everlasting life that restores my sense of well-being and gives me peace and security. I want to preach to somebody today. There's still water in the well. Many years later into David's life, as I've mentioned earlier, now it's many years later, the country is at war again with that ever-tormenting foe called the Philistines. And they have taken the little town of Bethlehem captive. David can see all the destruction from a fortified camp nearby. And perhaps his boyhood home, his boyhood home lays in ruins. His childhood memories are being destroyed by the minute. And the well of Bethlehem, just inside the gates of Bethlehem, has been captured by the Philistine army. And they're refusing any Israelite, any Jewish person to draw water from that well. When David, in his latter years, is just thinking back over this time of war, over this time when the well of Bethlehem was taken captive, was taken hostage, without thinking at that moment when this situation was occurring, David utters what is foremost in his mind. He said, oh my, I just wish I could get a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. If I could just have a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. Let me stop again and say in passing a trivial illustration. But for years, even to this day, I used to love the water fountain. 
that was in the back hallway of the First Pentecostal Church on Victoria Drive. I don't know what kind of fountain that was. I don't know who made it. But I could never go to church, even as a kid, either arriving or before I left, without going to that water fountain, even if I was thirsty or not. I pushed that button and took me a big swig of that cold water. That's the closest thing I can think of to what David was feeling in this scripture setting. I've laid in bed at night after Sister Murphy and I married. I can remember laying in bed at night, even if we had when we had our kids. I remember living in Youngstown, Ohio, pastoring up there. I've had moments after we've moved back over the past 25 years of being here. Man, I wish somebody would let me in that church on Victoria Drive and just walk. Y'all know what I'm talking about, that water fountain back there? And just take a big drink out of that water fountain. That was the best water on the planet. I like our water fountains here, but I'm sorry, Brother Mike, they just don't compete with that one water fountain that was in the back hallway of the first church on Victoria Drive. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about today? There's just some places... There's just some things that there is no substitute for. There's just some things that will only quench a thirst, that will only cause desires to be fulfilled. And I'm here to submit to everybody this building, there's only one thing that can really minister to the base need, the basic needs of humanity, and it's called the cross of Calvary. It was also began, had its beginnings in Bethlehem. But I'm here to tell you today, the enemy has got a hold of some of you folks, and he's tried to block off access to that well. But there's a mighty man in the house today, and his name is Jesus. And if you want to get to that well, if you want to get to that well, he'll make a path for you. And I'm glad to tell you, when you get there, there's still going to be some water in it. Oh, my. The Holy Ghost is creeping up on me right now. Praise God. David said, oh, I wish somebody would get me a drink from that well. By now, David has traveled every inch of that country. He's had water from from hundreds of wells in his lifetime. But right now, only one well will do. When you read the writings of David, you'll find a man who knew what it was to have a deep, unquenchable thirst for God. He said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. He wrote in Psalm 42, As the heart or the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my heart, my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He went on to say in Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longs for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so have I seen thee in the sanctuary. He had an insatiable thirst for God. And when David just barely uttered almost above a whisper that, oh, I wished I had a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, these three mighty men 
heard that word. They heard that desire from David's heart. They had such a deep love and respect for their leader. All he had to do was utter the thought, and they act without letting David know. They rush from the camp on a fool's errand. They break through the Philistine defenses and bring back to him a drink of water. Their bravery and their sacrifice is so precious to David that he counts the water as blood, and he can't drink it, and he pours it out on the ground as an offering to the Lord. In the latter years of David's life, which is the text we read, when you, when he is thinking about all the things that God has done in his life, this story is what's first and foremost in his mind. David probably didn't realize that he was speaking and literally acting prophetically on that day of battle when this situation actually occurred. He couldn't have known that the prophets who ministered to Israel years later would speak of the visitation of God as a river, a fountain, a pool, a stream, a brook, a well. Isaiah prophesied years later in Isaiah 41, when the poor and needy seek water, there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, for, for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the Lord, will hear them, the Bible said. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Isaiah prophesied, Then shall the lame man leap as a deer or a hart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and in the desert and the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. He went on to say in Isaiah 12, Therefore with joy shall you draw water from the wells of salvation. I want to say it again and pardon me for being repetitive but I want to let somebody know whether you feel like you're full of the Holy Ghost or not, whether you feel like you're backslidden or not, whether you feel like you strayed away from God and lukewarm or not, I'm happy happy to tell you today that if you want access to the well, you can have it. And when you get there, there's going to be some water for you in it. You wonder why David is called a man after God's own heart? It's simply because he had an unquenchable thirst for God. Whether David was on top of the mountain, had just killed Goliath, or whether he was running for his life in a cave from Saul, David had a thirst for God. It didn't matter if things were going good or bad. It didn't matter if he could consider himself righteous or a sinner after committing murder and adultery with Uriah and Bathsheba. It didn't matter. David was never completely satisfied in his relationship with God. God went on to the point to say, David, because of your insatiable thirst for me, I'm going to use your house. I'm going to use your lineage. I'm going to use your family to open up a fountain of redemption for the entire world. Not just your family, not just your city, not just your country, but for the entire world as a praise team sang about the love of God. I want everybody to know here today that it came from David. It came through David. Why? Because he had an insatiable love of God. 
God. Let me say in passing here today that we have not sometimes. We have not. Jesus said because we ask not. But bottom line, we have not. It's because we fill our lives with so many other things that we don't need God. We're not really thirsty for God. But when you reach a point, when you reach a place in your life, when you reach an attitude or a mentality and you just can't go anymore and there's some people here today that are at that point. I could walk off the platform and put my hand on your shoulder. You think you have it all together and you think you have your future mapped out in front of you. But really you do not. And deep down on the inside of you, no matter what you do in the world and no matter how you involve yourself in sinful things or whatever, there's still deep down on the inside of you an insatiable thirst. And deep down you say to yourself, my God, if I could just have that altar experience again, if I could just have that prayer room experience again, I want to tell you today, you can, you can, because Jesus has cleared a path to that, to that glorious well of redemption that we call the Holy Ghost. Zechariah said in that day, many years after David, in that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. The cross is that well that I'm talking about today. The gospel message, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, is that well of Bethlehem that I'm talking about today. Jesus himself is that water. This is why Jesus could say in John 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, whosoever drinketh of the water that I give him, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Again, Jesus said in John 7, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly or innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This well, this well, this sacrifice by God himself, this well was dug in Bethlehem. It was dug in obscurity. It was dug in the night. It was dug by the light of a single star. It was dug not in a palace but in a stable. Humble shepherds came to see the opening of this well. And at the first gush of living water, the very angels of God began to shout glory to God in the highest. The angels wanted to drink of this water so bad but God said no this water is reserved for those who want to be redeemed. I dug this well. I gave my life and I shed my blood for people like David who had an unquenchable thirst for me. The best news of all is that well of salvation is still open and there's still water in it. There's still water in it but the enemy doesn't want you to know that. The skeptics and doubters don't want you to know that. The scoffers and mockers don't want you to do that. The religious and the religiously and politically correct all blocked away to the well of living water. They say the well dried up when the apostles died. The water isn't fit to drink anymore. It's not popular and it's not relevant. Others, others would say any other water is just as good. And others would say you just can't get through to the well. But I'm here in the face of all of that to defy it with every fiber in my body. And I want to tell you today if you're hungry and thirsty for Jesus in your life no matter what spiritual bracket you want to put yourself in, you 
may have never had the Holy Ghost. You may be lukewarm. You may be backslidden. I'm telling you today, if you can make your way to the well, there's still water in it. There's still joy in it. There's still peace in it. There's still life-saving blood in it. God wants to help you today. He's available to you today. And there's still water in the well. Now, if you want water out of that well, probably the biggest thing you're going to fight is your own mentality, your own spirit. If you're angry with God or angry about people in your life, you're angry with your marriage, you're angry with your previous pastor or your current one. If you're angry with your kids, it's going to be a battle get to the well you have to fight your own mentality you have to fight your own attitude if you're a God hater, a church hater you have to fight that attitude but there's a lot of people here today that went through the same thing you're going through right now and they will tell you in a matter of seconds or moments that it was worth the trip there's a person sitting here today I look at Michelle Thornton. I observed her today. I hope she don't mind. Saw her hands in the air. Hadn't always been that way for Michelle. I remember not long after we bought this building, Brother Billy had a dream. And it troubled him. And he came to me and he said, Pastor, I've had this dream. I don't know what it means. And it involved Michelle. So I'll tell you what it means. I said, within a matter of days or weeks, your wife is going to be here in church with you. Prayed back through the Holy Ghost. Y'all remember that? You better remember it. If you don't, I'll remind you of it. That was an amazing moment. There were some things in her life and her past that was very difficult and very challenging. I did my best and hoped she perceived it that way to give her all the latitude she needed, all the grace of God, all the love of God, all the mercy of God we could muster. And I wanted her to know beyond any shadow of a doubt She was welcome to Grace Church. I'm here to tell you this woman literally has fought about every kind of demon you can imagine. They've come to her at night in her bed. They've come to her during the day. There's just been all kinds of things that's happened in her life. She's had this side swipe, the demonic, cult-based stuff, whatever. But Michelle got thirsty for Jesus. Because there is no substitute. We're not talking about sugar here today where you have every brand of substitute you can imagine. I'm talking about Jesus. There is no substitute. There is none. And I remember when she came. And she struggled at first. The first two or three months of her coming back, she came up here one Sunday morning. And she was just travailing and sobbing. She stood right in here somewhere. And she said, Pastor, I'm having the fight of my life I'm battling I'm battling to maintain any ground whatsoever with the Lord Jesus Christ in my relationship with him would you please pray for me and man we prayed and we tried to encourage Michelle or whatever I saw her today with her hands uplifted when the praise team was singing there's not a lie he won't tear down there's not a mountain he won't climb up He'll leave the 99 for me.
when I said earlier that there's a lot of people here today who their testimony is that song. If you wanted to testify, you could just sing that song. And all I could see was Michelle sitting there with her hands up in the air. And I said, you know what, whoever wrote that song, I turned to Dave Bunch. I saw him who wrote that. Those are amazing words. There's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no shadow he won't light up. There's no lie he won't tear down. Whatever, I don't know all the words, but you get the point. I'm here to tell you today that God will fill anybody up with his spirit. It don't matter how much the devil in the world and sin has beat you around. It doesn't matter what kind of habits you've got. It don't matter what kind of addictions you got. It don't matter how broken your life is. It don't matter if you've been married or divorced. It don't matter if you've been nice to your kids or not. I'm telling you today, there's no lie. He won't tear down. There's no mountain he won't climb up. He'll do whatever it takes. Why? Because he dug a new well in Bethlehem and it's called Calvary. And I'm here to preach to somebody right now. There's still water in it. And whatever you have to fight through in your own head to get to it, it's worth the fight. John said in Revelation, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come! Let him that heareth say, Come! Let him that is a thirst, Come! And whosoever will, Let him drink of the water of life freely. Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Acts chapter 2 says, And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. I believe we've reached a, a certain point in our relationship with God and His relationship with the world. And maybe you don't even have to come to the well anymore. I believe God in the last days is going to take that huge bucket of cleansing, delivering power of that great godly water I'm speaking symbolically here today. He's going to take his spirit and fill a bucket up with it and turn it upside down and pour every last drop of it out on this planet. It's for everybody. He'll fill anybody up with the Holy Ghost. Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, David said. So today, if you're a Shammah, you're a mighty man. You're a mighty man of battle. But really and truly your name means desolate. Who at one time stood your ground to defend the truth. Those things such as morals and character and even holiness. And today you're feeling lukewarm or even backslidden. I want you to know there's still water in the well. There's people here today. You know who you are. You've lost your way. Things aren't the same as they used to be between you and God. Things aren't, you don't feel the same intensity and the same passion you at one time felt. There's people here today that used to gather people around a home Bible study chart in your home. And now just the thought of that is so distant and far from your mind. I'm here to tell you, Shammah, 
You can fight your way back to that well if you want to. So if you're an Eleazar whom God has helped, who at one time stood your ground against the enemy, in times you fought devils and temptation and compromise, and you've even helped promote the kingdom of God, but God has helped you. God has intervened in your marriage. God's intervened in your family. God's intervened on your job, whatever it is. If you're an Eleazar here today, at one time you stood your ground, and you're a person that God helped one time, I'm here to tell you he can help you again. A dino, he means let the people return. So if you're not where you would like to be in your relationship with God, you may have the Holy Ghost, but you want some more. You may feel lukewarm and you need more. You may be backslidden and God knows you've got to have it. But there were times in the past when you travailed and interceded for your family your spouse, your kids, and others. But today you're tired, you're worn, and you're weary, and you're just thinking, hey, God, I'm so thirsty for you. You know where I struggle sometimes at being pastor? You folks hear my voice all the time. I tell Sister Murphy sometimes I get sick of my own voice. I can't imagine how grace feels. I get tired of it. But y'all hear me preach all the time. This voice is so common to you. And I wish you could just kind of dismiss Glenn Murphy here today and think of this as the voice of God, which in reality it is according to the Word of God. Jesus is saying to you today, if you hunger and thirst after me, I'm right here. I still have water for your thirst. There's still water in the well. So what do you think, Shama? What do you think, Eleazar? What do you think, Adino? Calvary is still powerful. Calvary is still relevant. God is still forgiving sins. God is still healing people. God is still saving people. I'm glad I can tell you here today, there's still water in the well. I'll be honest with you this morning. I wanted to preach this last Sunday. And we had a move of God, and so we went that direction, and I dismissed it. It's very rare because usually the passion of a sermon is just for one service, and the following week it moves on. I couldn't shake this one this week. And my only prayer last night and yesterday morning in men's prayer was that somebody would be here that it would be applicable to. And my prayer has been answered. There are people here today that this message is applicable to. There's people here today, you're not where you should be in your relationship with God, and you know it. But you hear this voice all the time, so it's easier to dismiss. If it was an evangelist here today that had a great reputation and all of that, that had brought revival in his briefcase and whatnot, you'd hear it. And it's hurtful when pastor bears his soul and heart to a congregation and people get up and walk out as though they've heard nothing but I want to tell you today you've not heard me you've heard the voice of God he wants you to know his power's not diminished his love for you has not changed there's three or four people here today I wish I could come down and just put my arm around you and just preach this few my last few moments just right in your ear
that God would, would give anything. As a matter of fact, he did give everything. Hoping to have this moment with you today. There's people here that need the Holy Ghost for the first time. There's several people that need the Holy Ghost for the first time. There's backsliders here today. There's lukewarm here today. There's people here today that are still you're very analytic and you're putting this under a microscope and it's hard to take God at face value. If you'll stand with me this morning, as I was praying yesterday at men's prayer, God just hit me with a, a prevailing theme. About halfway through our prayer session, it just kind of came out of my, my mouth. And when Jesus walked up to that boat in the wee hours of the morning, that boat was full of disciples. They thought they saw a ghost or a phantom. And finally Peter said, Lord, is it, is it you? And he said, yeah. And, then Jesus, and Peter said, well, if it's you, bid me come. And he said, come. And my heart was filled with emotion. There's some of you here today, I pictured you in my head yesterday morning when I prayed. That your life is a stormy mess right now. And God has walked up to you this morning in the middle of that storm raging in your life, in your mind, in your heart. And you're not sure it's Him. But I promise you it is. It's Him. If you don't believe it, ask Him. God, if that's you, bid me come. My only disappointment with that story is that it was only Peter that asked that question. We're more like the 11 that was left in the boat. We know it's him. We know it's him. But our mentality won't let us ask that question. If it's you, bid me come. We're scared of it. God, you'll make a fool out of me. I'll just fail again. God, my life and my mind is so messed up. My past is, I, I don't know why I'm going in this direction. It's not in my notes. But my heart is heavy. My heart is burdened. I know we're living right now on borrowed time as it is. But God just wants somebody to intercept with him today. He's come to you. In your moment of confusion, in your moment of hurt and bitterness and doubt, in your moment of disdain and hatred, in your moment of jealousy and rage, He's coming to you on the most, the most turbulent times of your life. He wants you to know it's me. It's not Glenn Murphy today, it's me. And I'm bidding you come. Oh, God. I believe the Lord wants to speak to somebody today. 
I feel the moving of God's presence here today. Somebody let the Lord have his way right now. I want to tell somebody here today, you don't have to feel embarrassed. No one's here to judge. Would you come? Would you come? As I begin to sing this morning, thank you, Jason, for being used of the Holy Ghost. As I begin to sing this morning, could we all gather around? And if you're here today, you know... If this applies to you or not, would you come? The Spirit and the Bride say, come. The Holy Ghost in the church says, come. Why don't you come? Please come. Please come. Don't, don't walk out the door just yet. Why don't you come down here with your family? Why don't you come down here with some of a friend? Why don't you walk down here and just say, God, I may not be ready to make that commitment yet, but God, I want you to know at least I'm thinking about it. Would you give that much? Just say, God, I'm thinking about it. Just to say, God, don't stop dealing with me. God, don't stop talking with me. Brian Tier was right when he opened the service today. The kingdom don't need me. God can find somebody else. But God wants me. He wants me. And He wants you. Yes, He does. He wants you today. Somebody let the Lord have His way. Everybody come gather around with us. Everybody's welcome. Y'all sing. Sing, Derek. Sing. Yes. Yes. Everybody in the house today, would you raise your hands? Would you lift your hands heavenward? Would you talk to God for a moment? I feel the Holy Ghost drawing today. I feel the Holy Ghost drawing somebody. Somebody say yes to the Lord. Somebody say yes to the Lord right now. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You know who you are. There's no shadow in more light. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Listen to what they're singing. Listen to what they're singing. It applies to you. It applies to you. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Somebody let the Lord have His way. Somebody let the Lord have His way.
Hallelujah. If you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost, you're at the right place at the right time. Oh, yes, you are. Somebody let the Lord have his way. Somebody let the Lord have his way. Hallelujah. God wants to forgive. God wants to heal. God wants to restore. Somebody let him have his way. Somebody let him have his way. He can deliver you today from addiction. He can deliver you today from your past. He can heal your mind. Somebody say yes to the Lord. Somebody hear the voice of the Lord today. Somebody hear the word of God today. Somebody say yes to the Lord. I can assure you, you're welcome to Grace Church today. You're welcome to Grace Church today. Oh, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Somebody say yes to the Lord. Somebody say yes to the Lord. It's time for somebody to have a God moment. It's time for somebody to have a God moment. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no lie he won't tear down coming after you. Somebody have a Holy Ghost fit right now. Somebody let the Lord have his way. We should rejoice in the love and mercy of God. We should rejoice in the love and mercy of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 